Hi, and a very warm welcome to the Clear Cruise podcast, our in-depth view of all things cruise. And for this episode, uh, not only am I joined by Travel Weekly's very own Lucy Huxley, but also we're focusing very much on luxury cruising. Uh, Lucy, how was, how was that look at all things luxury? I spoke to some people who are absolutely experts in it, people who've been uh, working in the luxury cruising sector for years and are very passionate about it. And uh, what was great is that clearly it's tricky times, but there's such positivity. And I think it's a really exciting sector to, you know, it's gonna take a while to come back, we know that, but when it does, you need to be ready and listening to this will help. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, you know, three of those um, sectors within cruise that, uh, pre this crisis have done really well so luxury river and expedition so um, if you put them all together as we've tried to do on this podcast then some really big opportunities for the future I think so uh, let's listen to some of our guests from the week uh, right now so as you can see I've been joined by a clear regular actually uh, Christine you've joined us on a number of events and occasions so delighted to see you you are co-owner executive vice president of Amma Waterway. So thank you for your time today. Thank you for the great opportunity. It's always a pleasure, Andy. I just want to ask you about the early days of Amma Waterways. Has that product changed over the years? Is it, is it almost unrecognizable or are there some key threads that are the same? Well, of course, there are some key points, yeah, which, which is always uh, you unpack once, you know, the ship, it's, it's small ship cruising, it's personal, it's intimate. It's easy, easy embarkation, disembarkation, never tendering, uh, an immersion into the country, in the city. You don't get seasick, no vibration. So that is all the same strong right. points why a Rivercoast is uh, such a great concept. But we certainly have revolutionized um, the Rivercoast uh, you know, business altogether by implementing a lot of uh, new things. We were the first ones um, to get internet on board and not just to have it on board, but to make it free of charge. In your stateroom, we have a computer and Apple TV today, uh, wireless uh, across the board. This way, we started to attract uh, younger people, not just the ones uh, in retirement age, but the ones who still were running their own business and needed to have access to the internet. But we also um, started the very active um, tourism on the river cruise ship because there was this huge perception it is for the more seniors yeah. and i cannot do anything else anymore than i can do a river cruise that has changed we introduced bikes as the very first ones we started with our active hiking tours we um uh, welcomed a very dedicated wellness host on board our ships and the wellness host is not also the receptionist or doing cabin cleaning, all of this. No, it's a dedicated wellness host with six classes minimum per day because wellness, mental wellness, physical wellness, it is part of our generation now that is going on a rubber cruise. What elements do you think of the AMA product are particularly luxury? Or what are your guests looking for from a luxury experience on the rivers? Yeah, well... Our waterways, our cruises are luxury product. However, the concept of luxury is being constantly redefined, as you know, right? Yeah. Gone by the wayside are the traditional ideas that luxury is defined by elaborate surroundings and white glove butler service. In today's world, luxury has become more about time, 
personal space. Personal space, very relevant in today's right, time. <laughs> <laughs> Physical and mental well-being, as we just said, and the ability to personalize the travel experience, discovering less visited destinations, touring in small groups, again, very relevant today, yeah, yeah. taking care of the environment and trusting that your health and safety is being safeguarded are all important aspects of the new luxury today. And near the top of the luxury list is also the warm, welcoming, personalized service from our crew. And they take great pride in, you know, mentioning you or calling you by your name, yeah. anticipating our guest needs, finding surprise and delight moments that our guests did not expect, but make a trip so memorable. It's a certain sparkle that we look for in all our cruise managers and crew that truly define luxury. But also as a floating um, luxury hotel with less than 150 guests on board, on the Mekong less than 120, in Africa 28 guests only, and with our new product in Egypt, the maximum of 60, 68 guests, um, and docking conveniently in the center of towns and villages. And our waterways river cruise almost doubles the amount of leisure time guests can enjoy in each destination. And that is part of luxury too. There are no lineups, so much freedom to explore exactly as you wish. And so our teams have created up to 20 different included excursions for our guests to choose from during the week. And each one is conducted again in small groups to really personalize the way our guests may choose to experience each destina destination. Thank you so much for your time. We wish you the best of luck for the rest of the year, whatever happens, but um, thank you so much. So good morning, everyone, and welcome to another session in our week long focus on luxury cruising with Clear. And I'm joined today by Peter Shanks from Silver Sea and by Walter Littlejohn from Crystal. So thank you for joining me, gentlemen. We're gonna have a, a few minutes now to really focus uh, on the luxury experience. Now, both of you are operating what some people say is in the ultra luxury uh, segment of the market. So perhaps you could just explain that for anybody who's sort of perhaps new to selling luxury cruising. How, do, how does your level of cruising uh, differ? What kind of things do you get on your, on your product? Let's start with you, Peter. So to me, luxury is, it's a personal thing. It's about each individual and how they interpret what luxury means. And, and to me, it's about things like space. And although we, in our ultra luxury, operate smaller ships, we have more space because the suites are bigger. If you go for a pool deck on a sea day, there's no problem getting a beautiful sun lounger or a drink or space. So space is really important in the same way that a business class seat offers much more luxury than an economy seat. So it's about space, but it's also about freedom. No pressure, freedom to choose. So eat whenever you want, eat wherever you want. Um, ultra luxury lines tend to be all inclusive as well. So whilst you're going to pay for it in the long run, you don't have to pay for things. You don't have to worry about things. You don't have to book things. So the freedom of choice is really important. Walter, would you agree with that? Is that the kind of experience that you're offering on Crystal as well? In the ultra luxury space, we anticipate a guest's need way before they 
do. Um, we are very forward thinking in the types of experiences that they want to see. We, we will deliver experiences sure side on board that they never thought they wanted, but once they're receiving it, they think, wow, that's just fantastic. That's created another memorable moment for me to share with my friends, uh, to put in my diary that I can now reflect upon for years to come. Uh, Peter, talk to us then about you know, the luxury guest, because you might think there might just be one size, you know, one type of guest, but I imagine they come in all shapes and sizes. So if agents are trying to identify who would be right for this, ultra luxury product who you know, how do they find these guests and how do they target them they're very discerning they tend to be very modest yes they have more more wealth and more money than your average holiday maker but i think it's the fact that they're discerning they value the good things in life they value that slightly better bottle of wine a slightly better cut of beef they're slightly better travels um, and travel agents will have their guests. They know when they travel to places in Spain, they want to go and stay in a five-star hotel. Or if they go to Australia, they want to go business class. They'll recognize those guests that have the wherewithal and the wealth to just step up and take a little bit more luxury because they, they value that experience. Do they tend to want the same thing? Or are you noticing trends over the last few years about, you know, in terms of where they want to travel to and what they want to do with their holiday? Are they getting more adventurous? Are they wanting much more privacy? Any trends that are emerging in this sector? Yeah, they, they're certainly looking for new destinations because they've always been collectors. They've always been of the mindset that the world is their oyster and they want to see it. And so um, that's why for both Peter's line and our line, you see us growing with more platforms and more destinations because we want to keep them entertained. When I say that people are looking for different things now, you know, um, I think uh, experiences, vacations are becoming much more immersive. Uh, people are wanting to do sort of thematic vacations in that there may be some people who want to have a food journey across Europe where the focus simply is on the food and not maybe the historic attractions. They can do that on another trip when they want that particular theme. But on this one, they're looking for food or they're looking for um, interactions with more locals or they're looking for an educational experience, something that's more enriching. Give me a flavor of what the luxury guest is thinking about or booking and it will look perhaps a bit further into the future, Peter. They're amazingly loyal. Uh, certainly our Silver Sea guests are amazingly loyal. Our, our interaction with them on social media and through emails is is terrific. We're absolutely convinced that our loyal guests can't wait to come back when the time is right. We all know that we're going to work much, much harder to attract new guests into the industry. But we're all blessed with having very, very loyal guests. There are definitely green shoots, Lucy, for 2021. And when you look at the pattern, clearly the first quarter of 2021 is less confident. But as you go through 2021, you can really see some green shoots coming now. And I think once the industry comes out and is able to clearly communicate what the new world will look like, then I think we'll see those green shoots get bigger and bigger over time. And one thing I wanted to ask you about, because I know agents ask me, is, is, is the, the idea of this sort of bucket list, uh, you know, experience. I know you've got lots of loyal guests who are the high net worth individuals who come back again and again, but some of the, you know, the holidays, the trips that you offer are, you know, absolutely exceptional that people might want to do for a special occasion or as you say, ticking off a bucket list. So is that the kind of customer agent should also be thinking about uh, when they're thinking of your product? Yes, and further out, Lucy, because people tend to book their bucket list experiences one to two years out. 
And so we're now on sale right through into early 2022. So if somebody wants to experience Antarctica, then I'd look at booking that for winter 21, say, say November, December 21. Plenty of time for the world to get going again. And then something for people to look forward to. So yes, when you combine those special events, people do book early. And so rather than trying to get into a conversation about selling a holiday or a cruise in the next three, four, five months, agents can work with much more confidence about selling a cruise for winter 21, 22. And if you then combine that with somewhere very special, they should have a lot of success. I'm really grateful for your time. So thank you to Peter from Silversea and to Walter from Crystal. Thank you both very much. Thank you, Lucy. Thanks, Lucy. So as you can see, I've been joined by Debbie Marshall. Uh, you are Managing Director of Silver Travel Advisor. Thank you so much for joining us. So the older holiday maker, uh, if I can call them that, and I don't know what the, the correct phrase I should use is, they have also changed over the last 10 years. But and, and we always think of them, I guess, as being more active and more adventurous maybe than ever before. So is, is that your, your experience? Definitely. I mean, you can't categorise the older travellers or silver travellers, if you want to call them um, into in one category. But we find that when people kind of reach their 50s, you know, they have a certain moment in life where they say, actually, there's probably not as much to go of life than I've already had. And I need to get on and make plans for where I'm going to travel to. And then once they reach retirement stage, obviously, a lot of those kind of big plans can really become reality. And they're looking for, for big world trips and, uh, you know, really lovely expensive holidays which is great news for the travel industry yeah. and then moving into their 70s and 80s and 90s um you know they're moving in different forms of travel accessible travel and the like but i think always there's a kind of real wanderlust which which uh, continues you know whilst they're fit and healthy and well enough to be able to do so um and and you're joining us during our week where we're talking about luxury travel is is the silver traveler a luxury buyer most of the time well, it's a well-known fact that older travellers control not only 80% of the nation's wealth, but 60% of the travel spend. And there's some, you know, basically, you know, older people in general, and one can't, you know, it's not all of them, but really do have access to pensions and savings, which far exceed that of younger people who are just starting out in life. You know, we have, um, I think it's nearly 80% of older people have actually paid off their mortgage in full. And 10% are actually millionaires in, you know, whether that's some sort of fixed or liquid assets, you know, they really do have a lot of uh, wealth at their disposal and they're, they're keen to spend it on, on travelling. So, you know, it, it would be wrong to say that the only luxury yeah. travellers are older travellers, but certainly it makes up a good proportion of them. And have, has there been a change over the last couple of years in terms of destinations and the kind of holidays that uh, this group would look for? Well, again, one of the questions we asked in our survey this year actually was uh, when it's safe to travel, where would you go? And um, unsurprisingly, you know, the Mediterranean, um, Italy, Greece, France, Spain, you know, came up very high, as did the UK. Um, in previous um, years, when we asked people where they wanted to go, it's been more of a kind of far-flung destination, you know, the big trip to New Zealand and Australia, Antarctica. I think they will still be popular, but I think initially people are going to be a little bit more cautious, and there's lots of reasons around that in terms of, you know, wanting to feel safe healthcare, insurance, all sorts of reasons. But uh, so I'm, we're, we're, we're looking kind of closer to home initially. There may be some travel agents who are watching who uh, maybe not feel that they work with the, that generation properly. And so do you have a couple of tips you can give them around how they can work with that generation in a, in a, in a better way? Well, I think the first thing to um, really sort of understand about older travellers is they're very loyal and it's all about trust. And if you can build up that trust, then you really have got you know, somebody who will come back to you time and time again. 
Um, secondly, as we know, it's very potentially lucrative, and that isn't just older people who are travelling, you know, um, either on their own or in a couple, but also multi-generational trip opportunities. So whilst often it's the kind of parents who've, um, who've researched the trip, it's often the grandparents who pay. So I think building loyalty is important. And then on top of that, we've got some kind of very practical tips about dealing with older people if you're a travel agent, which can be very simple but obvious things like kind of large font and speaking slowly and presenting things very clearly, um, not in a patronising way, but just making sure that you don't kind of rush through and making sure that also that um, if you, even if you don't employ older people, that younger people, you know, are trained so that they understand the requirements of older people being different from younger people. But we do actually find that agents that employ older people do very well, and uh, you know, that older people like dealing with older agents. Thank you so much for your time. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. Thanks for making time. Oh, thank you. Always thank you. Delighted to say that I've been joined by Graham Sadler, who is a Managing Director here in the UK for Regent Seven Seas Cruises. Hi, Graham. How are you? Hi, Andy. I'm very well, thank you. Nice to see you and, and be with you. So, so for those who don't know Regent as a brand, uh, give us a brief synopsis. Essentially, uh, a, a Regent are, uh, a, we're, we're Radisson, of course, so we start with that, but we're, we're are an ultra-luxury um, cruise brand with five ships. Um, offering an unrivaled luxury and an unrivaled experience with everything included. Um, so we have a big ship, so we sell space um, in abundance. Um, and uh, um, whether it be the suites, it's all suites um, and mostly all balcony, um, but everything being included, and that covers from the, from the flights to the transfers to the pre-cruise hotel, to shore excursions, to drinks, to tips, to gratuities, to da 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 everything. You can go on a Regent cruise and not spend a penny. And, and space was the first thing you mentioned about Regent. Is that is that what luxury travellers, luxury cruisers are looking for, do you think? Or is, or is it part of a bigger story, that space uh, question? Well, I, I think do. I think yeah, people the, uh, people aspire to space, you know, whether it be the car you drive or the house you own, you know, space is, is to a degree luxurious. Um, and uh, 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 and that's kind of what, so we have medium-sized ships, but small complement of passengers. And that's that's been our, our, our offering, you know, right from the, uh, whether it be the Navigator, right through to Splendor, which is, you know, way over 50,000 tons and only take and only got 375 suites. So, you know, the, these are decent sized ships that could ordinarily accommodate over 2000 people. But, you know, we, we, we put a lot less on there. And how's, how has the cruise experience itself changed over those years? You mentioned service. Service has always been amazing on cruise ships. But, but have other things changed and evolved? Uh, you know, I, I think cruising and whichever brand you are, whichever level you are, it, it's so much superior to to any equivalent land base, and that that has to be said. Where you know, all cruising, it, whatever level, is luxurious by comparison. Uh, but in, in our, our, our ultra ultra luxury level, it's all about all about service, all about recognition, all about uh, uh, knowing that what the customer is looking for, what they want, anticipation. Uh, without being intrusive and that's getting that balance right is a real skill uh, and that takes the training um, so that that is the, the service level is it, it has to be at another standard yeah. which we which we which we deliver to our, our, our guests from, from a sales perspective luxury is obviously an important part for of, of many people's businesses and many people's sales um, do you find that they're more discerning and and 
and therefore looking for a certain type of travel agent or do you think it's it's something that you know the special occasion comes up as a, as a way to to sell luxury is, is there anything you can you can say well certainly special occasions are definitely something that we that we have seen but what, what we are now looking to 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 uh, to go even further on is that you know the, these last three or four months uh, uh, and I can speak from personal experience, families have, have been separated uh, and, and you've not been able to see parents, sisters, brothers, children, grandchildren. And, and, and I think philosophically, we're, we're all going to take a little bit of a, uh, a look at that and say, look, you know, I want, I want to see my family more. Um, so we, we think families are going to want to get together on a cruise ship. Uh, uh, and we think region is a perfect opportunity for for whether it be granddaddy or the or the or, or the grand or the mum or whoever's going to pay for the pay for the cruise and bring their family along, um, we we see that there's a potential market. Um, uh, but whether that's a celebration of a, an anniversary or a birthday or just being together. Graham, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. We wish you well during these difficult times, and we look forward to when we're all travelling and cruising again. Well, as you can see, I've been joined by Edwina Lonsdale, Managing Director of Mungie Cruising. Hi, Edwina. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Are you good? Yes. Very well, thank you, actually. Was the vision always luxury uh, customer? Absolutely. Yes. Um, there wasn't all that much mainstream I was going to say. in 1970 when we started. There was really everyone thought that was the end of the cruise industry because the jet plane had come in and right. transformed the way that people travel. Um, but yes, we were very closely linked right from the start with the, the top end cruise lines. Of course, they were a very different thing from, from what you have today. And it's interesting because, of course, traveling by sea was almost always uh, seen as a luxury way to travel. And then cruising kind of came in and changed it slightly. And then, as you say, you became, it became a niche within a niche. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the transformation of the industry has just been so fascinating to watch. And amazing. I mean, we were talking earlier about uh, the virus, weren't we? And I just think if anyone can crack this, it's the cruise industry. They're collaborative, they're nimble, they're creative. It's just incredible, an incredible industry to be involved with. And presumably the choice of luxury uh, product to offer to your customers has grown over those years as well to quite yeah. a quite a rate now. Yes, absolutely. When you look at the number of, uh, of, of uh, companies, I mean, we still have the the core four companies that we work with, none of which existed in right. 1990. So, uh, and then there's always more things coming on. So we've seen that, that growth of uh, luxury expedition, that's something completely new. Luxury River is absolutely great. And then some completely new companies coming into the market like Ritz-Carlton, um, which is really um, good for everybody. Really yeah. fascinating to see. We often think about luxury buyers, I guess, as also being very loyal, and I'm sure you have a lot of very loyal customers at Mundy Cruising, but does that mean they're also loyal to particular brands or particular ships, which means that they don't try new product? Yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, you do have a very high level of loyalty to the brand. Um, and as you know, when people move from brand to brand, it's often because, for whatever reason, they're disappointed with that brand. 
Sometimes it's just they've lost sight of how good it is because they've okay. been on for so long. Yeah. Um, sometimes a, a, a specific thing has disappointed them or they're, they've got carried away with, oh, it's not what it used to be. Of course, the thing about a luxury brand is it it's, needs to continue to surprise and delight. And if you're operating at the, at the highest end, you know, you do sometimes think, well, what more can you do? <laughs> and especially if people are going regularly. Yeah. So it is important that they're constantly reinventing themselves. Um, so you get different people, some who are very, very loyal, some who will move from being loyal to one brand to being loyal to another one consistently, some who actually just like luxury travel and will move around quite happily. Um, do you get a lot of customers who are more focused or very much focused on the destination and less on what the onboard experience is like, or, or do you see less of that in this sector? Um, again, it sort of, it, it varies person to person. Um, we're loving the opportunity with Expedition to get people who are destination focused, but who also want the onboard experience to be very good. We're loving those new ships. That's, that's just so exciting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you get people who are in that mindset of, well, I've been everywhere. Right. Uh, they're not even particularly fussed about whether they get off the ship. Um, they just want to have that, that, that high level of comfort. There are others who are completely destination focused, um, but they don't necessarily want to compromise in terms of their chipboard experience either. In terms of trends, you mentioned Expedition has been growing and we've we've enjoyed watching that kind of growth in expedition cruising you've mentioned river are there are they the big two new trends in luxury do you think or are there others uh yeah no i think that those two are of the novelty bits but within the uh the mainstream luxury market if you like then uh what we've seen of course is is some different changes so a huge amount about the dining a huge yeah. amount about authentic experiences ashore, very small group experiences, um, really the ability to customise your trip uh, entirely to your own taste. And have you seen any trend towards families multi-generational in luxury? Because we, we don't think of that group as particularly taking a luxury experience. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, so it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, the one the one who pays is the one who chooses, isn't it? <laughs> so uh, you get sort of heads of family who um, are not prepared to compromise in any way, um, and therefore they bring all their family onto their luxury product. There's a lot of anxiety about it beforehand. You know, how will my teenagers cope with this? It's not going to be all that sort of sporting activity and late late night nightlifes. But uh, unfortunately for those heads of families, uh, they find their teenagers really love it. Yeah. And uh, they need to carry on doing that. So it's interesting that post 9-11, what we saw was a huge move to uh, multi-generational travel. Yeah. And I think that COVID will have the same impact. Yeah. That, that whole thing about uh, re-evaluating, getting your priorities right, noticing how awful it is not to be with your family, yeah. And your friends, in fact. So I think, yeah. I think we'll see a lot more of friends and family travel coming up too. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been lovely to chat with you. We wish you the best of luck with Monday Cruising as, you, as we come out of this rather difficult situation for everybody. Um, but thank you for your time. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Andy.
Well, uh, hello again, everyone, and welcome to the next session in our week of luxury cruising with Clear. And I'm delighted today to be joined by a panel of experts. So I've got Bernie Carter from Oceania, I've got Ian Powell from Saga Cruises, and I've got Chris Townsend from Uniworld Boutique River Cruises. So welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Let's just kind of uh, take ourselves back from the period that we're in at the moment. Let's just talk about the trends that you were seeing in the luxury sector uh, before the COVID pandemic, and then we'll move on to where we are now. But let's just get a handle on what was happening beforehand. Should we start with you, Bernie? Uh, it was, it's been an interesting few years uh, for the higher end of the market overall. Uh, we've seen booking trends push further out, uh, people actually spending more money, recognizing the true value that they get at, uh, at that end of the market, and going to much more exotic destinations, much further afield, uh, of course, what happens to a degree there is that people that are in the higher end, the luxury end of the market, have generally cruised for years. They've traveled to many places. So they're now searching for more destinations to visit. I guess to an extent, I'd agree. We, we are seeing our customers want to venture uh, a little bit further afield. But obviously, with, the, with our cruising being ex-UK, um, the majority of what we're offering is, is in and around Europe. Um, but we've seen some amazing success on some longer length cruises. So, you know, we did... Uh, cruise to New York, for example, at, at New Year that we did exceptionally well with with past passengers. Um, so I think I think I agree. People are people are wanting to venture a little bit further afield, but I think for us, with us being a little bit newer into this market, um, this is about providing our it's about providing our existing guests, I guess, with something that they haven't experienced, which is which is the ship more so than the uh, than the itineraries. Now, what about with um, river cruising, Chris? What have you been seeing? Because obviously, there's some very established rivers that people cruise on so is it is it a case that they're now looking for far further flung destinations or what, what do they want in the luxury sector in the river i think cruise? certainly sort of pre-crisis following on from bernie um our exotics collection was selling very very well um further afield so you know not just a, a cruise but the cruise and tour combination 15 days roughly um, we had a, a great spike off the back of j mcdonald cruising on india uh, last year that was huge for us um and then since then, we've launched two new ships, one on the Mekong and one in Egypt. So we've sort of been really rolling this out and, and promoting these ships and building the awareness. So I think certainly the, the more adventurous, the further afield trips uh, with significant volumes going on there. But certainly European is, is where our main uh, capacity is. Uh, and Portugal really has been the best seller for sure. And Italy after that. In the luxury market particularly, you know, it's that level of service being sort of very personal, knowing your drink, coming and greeting you, feeling like you're an old friend. And I mean, that's one of the things you always talk about in the luxury cruise sector. But will people have to manage their expectations a bit? You know, you won't be able to do it exactly, presumably. It won't be 100% as it was, but I think, again, back to the space we have on our super ships, we've got a lot of space on there. So actually, it's not like, you know, some ships have got, you know, huge volumes, you know, would we be operating at full capacity? No, not really. Alice, you're actually going to take some capacity out of there. But with the multiple areas we have on board and the space we have in the main lounges and what have you, then we can actually deliver those experiences. Lots of people are saying actually that the luxury sector may well recover quicker because of all these things you're saying, because people will be looking for more privacy, more exclusivity, more space. So, uh, you know, I guess just to finish off on a positive note, is that something that you're, uh, you, you know, you, you see happening as well? I, I think you're right. I think luxury generally is, is, is almost fortunate that, uh, generally speaking, luxury cruising means more space on board. And, and we're, I think we're, we're, we're fortunate that, that 
that that's going to be a positive I guess right now allowing them more space fresh air is obviously something that has been talked extensively about the government meeting outside things like that I think again you know uh, generally speaking luxury crews are offering you know balcony cabins um, more more space in your cabin as well um, so fresh air is probably more accessible I think all of those things are, are, are topics that we can talk about as real positives for for our customers the reality is that we're all in this sort of high-end luxury sector so you know we've already got the um the private uh, excursions in place you know small groups average 15 people big coaches where needed private events where you know we'll take over St. Mark's Basilica now you know there's usually thousands of people in there of, a, of an evening we, we're in there with 120 guests mm-hmm. so you can actually sort of manage and process and do these things so we have a lot of these things in place uh, there will be some new elements to it as well but I think again you know, and I think the consumer will get more and more into this for sure. They'll be asking these questions. And I think, you know, going back to training, it's our job to make sure that the, uh, the partners out there, are, the agents out there are aware of the differences. Uh, thank you to Bernie from Oceania, to Ian from Saga and to Chris from UniWorld. Thank you, guys. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to this very special webcast where we are joined all the way from Miami by Larry Pimentel. Now, there can be few men more qualified to talk to us about luxury cruising than Larry. Larry has held a variety of positions over the years. He's been CEO and president of Seabourn, of Cunard Line, of Sea Dream Yacht Club. And of course, most recently, we know him as CEO and president of Azamara. Now, Larry, you stepped down or you stepped aside from that role in April. First of all, perhaps you can talk to us about the difficulty, the pain that we're in right now and how, how serious the situation is for the travel industry. Well, first of all, thank you for uh, the interview time. I've been uh, excited to see you and always talking to the wonderful agents in the UK who've supported the many businesses that I've been in in this really exciting and innovative industry. But indeed, it's challenged, and we have a cruise industry that's not cruising. What could be more challenging? Ports aren't open, the countries aren't open. There are fundamental challenges that need to be sorted. It requires collaboration on the part of a lot of different people. But when you think of it, we have major macro issues affecting things. And let's just go to the number one, it's the most obvious one. Obviously, COVID-19 is a pandemic that is hitting all nations, all countries, and it is closed borders, stop travel, not just in cruising, but air flights have been limited. I mean, hotels have been partially opened in places, but not entirely opened. I mean, there is a knock-on effect, a domino effect here that is fundamentally exceedingly challenged. You cannot have an industry with hundreds of millions to billion dollar pieces of equipment who have no revenue, no guests, and no place to go. I mean, how much more challenging could this be? Having said all of that, I think there are fundamental issues that allow me to be optimistic. If you study history and you look at every downside of everything, from the point of 9-11 where people said, I won't get on a plane again, I won't fly again, And so what happens is the pendulum swings to these radical positions and we're at the lowest of lows. But history has also taught us, even in the case of massive wars around the world, that where there is a downside, 
there is an upside. While the sun goes down, it also comes up. And I am a believer in the scientists of the world who will come up with a solution because we need a pandemic solution, not only to help the cruise industry, far beyond that, to help humanity. I think for some travel agents at the moment, particularly those who are cruise specialists, it's their whole lifeblood. You know, it's, it's hard to see the wood from the trees at the minute. So what would be your advice to people then if they are right in the middle of this and feeling like there's, you know, perhaps no light at the end of the tunnel, but how do we get them through the next week, the next month? And what should they be looking at, Larry? Well, if I'm a retailer, plug into your clients. Think about how they're feeling. Listen, people love to travel. That travel, the love of travel is not going to go away. They just want to feel safe. They want to know, how can I do it without being harmed? So for me, I go into a proactive plan, and it's a plan of human connection, engagement with customers. Use your time not to wallow. Use your time to say, how do I engage and talk about the countries that are opening, the resorts that are opening? The, the future sorts of things, new exciting itineraries that I see being released for 22 and 23. And so, so, so when will we get the best prices? We're getting good prices now for 2021? Because some people are saying to me, well, actually, 21 could be quite well booked because you've got all the people who've deferred and taken the future cruise credits. And then obviously they've got 2021 on sale and they're trying to sort of, you know, saying they're getting some good new bookings. So, might it actually be out to 2020 that we'll get better prices or will it just be? I, I think you're going to get better prices until we get an equilibrium of the ships being filled at the right rates. Because I can tell you the math of some of the prices, if the lines were filled at that rate, it's not sustainable in yeah. the long term. So the rates have to go up. And by the way, the agents also want the rates up. It's about their own incomes as well. And they deserve to be paid for what they do. But somehow you have to have a magnet somehow to get people in the pipeline. And all the data and history shows right now, and this is an important point, Lucy, for all of the retailers, people are gonna step out locally first, regionally first, before international. Not only is there ships, but think of the smaller cruise lines that do international deployments. There's usually a very long flight. Well, there's a lot of people right now who are going to stand back and say, I don't know if I want that 10, 12 hour, 15 hour flight. I'm going to see how it goes. There will be a whole population that will be like that. And especially as it relates to older guests who seem to be more affected by this pandemic. Now, Larry, you have spent a lifetime probably looking at the luxury traveler, the luxury seller. So how do you think the luxury consumer and i don't just mean for travel because i know you you look at this in a broad way How, you know will there be a, a long-term fundamental change to the luxury consumer will it just be a blip and then they'll go back to the, all the trends and things that we've been used to before or where do you think that's going to go that's a really great question and i have spent uh, a, a lot of months now looking at every study i could find that there is a lot of studies going on there's actually a preponderance of data that's now quite consistent one is they're looking for things that are secluded in travel privatized secluded is in that unique island that unique bungalow experience that could be in tahiti uh, in some place in the world that by its very nature is not crowded 
And part of its allure is it's so privatized. That is a definitive, definitive trend. The other thing that's really interesting is before we ever get to that, all of the data points say the same thing, weekender travel. How do I get away for two, three, four days to do a little test? That's even with the affluent client. There are great resorts in the UK, great places to go in the continent that might be a weekender as a sampler to see how do I feel about that? I went, I enjoyed, I came back, I'm safe. Now I'm going to do it a little longer. So this is in steps. So retailer, be prepared for localized travel. The luxury clients will come back, but they're not dissimilar to others. They want to understand safety protocols, but think of secluded privatization. Think of how you are going to define uh, personalization for them. And they have the money to do it the right way. You never, 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 never start out with price. You start out with quality and you sell what counts to them, not discounts. It's completely opposite. I mean, it sounds to me like those luxury travelers, you know, they were already, weren't they? They were discerning, they were looking for personalization, but it sounds like this whole situation we're in now is just going to accelerate that even more. And what you're saying is that agents need to absolutely uh, make sure they're ready for that. You know, that's, that's absolutely correct. And, and at last comment, I think, while the future is unknown to me or others or you or the agents or to the cruise lines, hotel industry or for humanity as a whole, but the past should give us hope. And we should never ever forget the past. It's the very reason we study history. We study it to learn and the lessons are there. And yes, this is tough but be persistent, be tough. Understand that downsides require the opposite attitude and mentality. I also believe there's another trend. It may be in the future, Lucy, that times will change and all retailers won't be selling all products. They may be going into a group to make sure they have enough revenue and they get enough compensation back to make a living of it. There's nothing wrong with that. Retail stores pick products that they sell all the time. So we may come out of this also in a very different way there um, that may be important for us to consider. How much can we put behind a certain organization so that we can get enough commissions and incomes in to be viable? Thank you very much for joining us, Larry. Thank you all. It was my pleasure. Be positive. We know it's tough, but you need to be tougher than what's negative. And good luck. You can do it. Well, that was a podcast packed full of some real experts in luxury cruising, uh, people who have provided some great insights uh, and ideas and whet our appetite for all things luxury cruising. We hope it's whet your appetite too. Thanks for listening to your cruise podcast from Clear. We'll see you again soon.